Welcome. You are listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week, I'm going to share a quick testimony of my own. We've been having a great series here on dreams and dreaming. Last week we had Christy Whiteman on sharing about how God led her through one of the most difficult periods of her life and one of the biggest transitional points through her dreams and how he's led her into a really amazing place through dreams and speaking to her about what was going to happen first. So this week we're taking a little break on talking about dreams, and I am going to share a personal testimony about how God takes everything that we've been through and he turns it around for our good, and he gives us double for our trouble. So I don't know how many of you really know my Nashville story. I know I shared my more full testimony on the podcast early on in one of the very first few episodes but I don't know how many of you listened to that. And this is diving into one aspect of it a little more deeply. So when I first moved out here, I ended up having bouts of homelessness. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I wasn't living on the streets. I wasn't even living out of my car. I actually was able to stay with some really amazing people that took me in without really knowing me. But when I say I was homeless, I mean I did not have a place of my own. And here's the interesting thing. It was not because of lack of money or because of lack of planning. It was the result of poor choices. And when I say poor choices, I really just mean making decisions unwisely that I thought were wise for specific reasons, but weren't. And I'm going to actually tell you what that was. but. When I first moved to Nashville, I basically wanted to save as much money as I could. So I didn't want to spend too much on rent. I thought I would be better off if I had a roommate when I started out because I was trying to save as much money as possible. I moved across the country by myself. I didn't know anyone here and I was moving without a job. So I knew I'd be getting a job when I got here, but I didn't know how long it would take. I didn't know if it'd be great money and I knew it would take a little bit of time to really meet musicians here and get music going in the sense of being able to tour and make money out here on this side of the country because I moved from California, so quite a big difference and a huge distance. (laughs) So I decided to find a roommate ahead of time. Now this was my first poor choice. It seemed like a wise choice because financially it seemed like one, But it was a poor choice for me, not financially, but emotionally, spiritually, and as far as my physical safety went, because I didn't know anyone out here. So I didn't get to ask or find a roommate based on word of mouth or a friend of a friend. I, back when I moved, which was 10 and a half years ago, I actually had to search on Craigslist to find a roommate. And I know probably you hear that and your eyes roll. Now back then it was a lot more common. I believe now Craigslist has gotten a lot creepier than ever before. It's changed a lot in those years, but still, I found someone looking for a roommate through Craigslist. 
talked to them on the phone a few times. Um, they seemed pretty nice based on the phone conversations. They had a dog. I thought that was a good sign. And they seemed like, he seemed like one of those, you know, nerdy guys that doesn't have a lot of guy friends, but has a lot of female friends and is kind of, well, not super masculine, not, not aggressive. He seemed a lot more passive overall. And I was like, well, that seems fine. I, I've met some guys like that, you know. Now, I know now, actually, that very masculine men tend to be safer to be around because men that aren't are usually pretty passive-aggressive, which can be all sorts of other things, including some cluster B personality disorder issues and whatever else. But I didn't know that. I was still pretty young. Um, I had not ever experienced being around a sociopath, psychopath, or a narcissist before. Though I had experienced abuse in my past, I had not been around someone that was like diagnosed with that or clinical or personality disordered. So I moved to Nashville expecting to have a room and when I first moved, the guy knew when I was coming, he swore to me there would be a room available. So as I'm on my way there, I'm probably like five miles or less away, he lets me know that the other person that had been living with them had not moved out yet not moved out of the spare room yet, and did not know that they were supposed to leave. So I was supposed to pretend I was just a friend that was visiting. So immediately, I didn't actually have a place to go that I was supposed to have. Like, this place was promised to me. So I did what I had to the first night. I stayed there. I had a friend with me. And I ended up going swing dancing with that friend um, and met some amazing people through the swing dance scene in Nashville. And the sweetest people met me. The, um, her name was Melanie. She was the owner of the house that I stayed in, but I met some of her friends initially and they introduced me to her and they said, she has a spare bedroom for right now. Maybe she'll let you stay. So it was her guest bedroom and she needed it for her family that was coming in a couple of weeks, but she did allow me to stay for a couple of weeks. So this amazing woman who did not know me at all <laughs> allowed me to stay for a couple of weeks because she knew I was not in a safe situation. So during that time, I looked everywhere for a place that I could move into that was within a price range that I thought was feasible while I didn't have a job yet. And everything that I looked at was total trash. There was one really great girl that seemed like she'd be a great roommate, but the place had major allergen stuff. It looked like there might be mold issues and I couldn't do it. So I was kind of back to ground zero where I literally told one person that showed me a property that if it was a choice between that place or living in my car, I would live in my car. So <laughs> didn't find a place. In the meantime, that person that put me in a very horrible situation is like begging me to just come move in, swears it'll be fine, and they've gotten the person out of the apartment at this point, so the room that was supposed to be mine is now available again. Well, I did not want to move in there, especially not after what happened, but I didn't really feel like I had any other option. I hadn't found a place to live yet, and the wonderful girl that had allowed me to stay with her she needed the room again because her family was coming to visit and I couldn't rent it out long term. So I ended up going back into the situation, not really wanting to, not feeling great about it, but I just had no other option because I, I had to plan ahead and I thought I had. And in the moment, there were just no options of anywhere else to live. 
So I move back into this place and initially it's okay. At least the place was nice. But within the first month or so, he started getting very passive aggressive with me and very odd. And I started realizing within the first month that he actually hated women. That even though he had all of these supposed friends that were women, that he actually hated women. And I could tell just because of commentary and things that he made and his behaviors, even just watching TV, comments here and there about women and how they were evil, like just crazy stuff, you guys. And then he would send me these very, very passive aggressive messages, um, mainly about housekeeping stuff. I was working at that point. I did get a job. I got a restaurant job while I was doing music and trying to get things together so that I could tour full time. But while I was doing that, I was working double shifts at a restaurant and doing music, and this guy was at home pretty much all day long because he was a DJ at night sometimes. So during this, I am working my butt off, and he's sending me messages saying we need to have a cleaning day where we go around and like mop the floorboards, dusting them, cleaning the blinds, all of this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not even at the house. Like, I'm not even there during the day. I'm gone all the time working. He's doing nothing. If he wants to clean to that level and detail the apartment, he can do that himself. And I told him, I'm like, I am working doubles and doing music. I don't have time to do the kind of cleaning you're talking about. You're at home all day. If it's bothering you, then do it. And he had a dog and he was there all day. So clearly I wasn't the one making a mess. Well he did not like this and it turned into more rude passive aggressive texts sending me messages about things that were bizarre and made no sense like one day asking me when I was going to do my dishes because they were starting to smell but I had already done the dishes and they'd been there for less than 24 hours so just crazy things anyway at about three months so I'd only lived there for three months he went crazy at me in the middle of the night he threatened me in the middle of the night. He said he was going to throw me and all my stuff out. Now, that wouldn't have been that bad, although that's a crazy threat considering everything that I'd gone through already. And I had actually already started looking for places because I did not feel comfortable there, but I hadn't really found anything yet. So he starts raging at me, but it's not just that he's going to throw me out. He was raging so hard at me. He was pounding his fists on the countertops. He was picking things up from the dishwasher and throwing them into the dishwasher and throwing them other places. And his veins were popping out a good two inches from his neck. And he was hovering over me raging. Now, this was set off because when I got home from work that night, I hadn't washed a dish that I ate dinner on because I had to go back to work. I didn't have time. So I planned on doing it when I got home. And he had made another passive aggressive comment about how I always had a dish in the sink. And I said, I just ate dinner and had to go back to work. And I planned on washing it when I got back and I'm going to. And I pointed out that that plate, that fork and that one cup were mine and I was going to wash them. But that the five or six cups on the other side of the sink were his and I was not going to be doing his dishes because he had let dishes stack up on this in the sink and not done them expecting that I would do his dishes for him. Now, mind you, this person is someone I'd only known for three months and was nothing more than a roommate. 
and did nothing during the day, just sat around doing whatever he wanted while I was working double shifts. So when I told him I wasn't going to wash his cups, that's when he lost it and started threatening me. He started screaming at me, throwing things, raging at me, threatening me, pounding his fists, going totally insane. I instinctively knew that I was not safe and needed to back up, but I did it very subtly so that he wouldn't notice. I just kept making distance between us and I knew I could not do anything to make him any more upset or he would probably kill me. It was very clear that he was completely out of control and he was standing grabbing things out of a dishwasher that had knives in it. So I very slowly and quietly made space while he raged at me. And when there was a counter between us again, I told him that he did not have to worry about me being there any longer, that I had already started looking for places and as soon as I found a place I would move out because I knew it hadn't been working and that we weren't going to be roommates long term. Well, as soon as I said that, he started raging at me all over again, claiming that I was just screwing him over like everyone else. Now keep in mind, he just threatened me and told me he was going to throw me and all of my stuff out in the middle of the night, well, intimidating me, raging at me, and acting like he was going to harm me physically. So then he turns it around, and now he's mad that I'm going to leave and he's saying, I'm going to screw him over. I'm going to leave him high and dry. That was obviously my plan the whole time. And I said, well, no, I was planning on giving you a month notice if I found something. Mind you, we didn't even have a rental agreement. So long story short, when he shut himself in the room that night, I knew that I needed to get out of there. I was actually afraid that he might hurt my bunny. I had a bunny rabbit. I was afraid he might try to kill him when I was gone the next day. And my friend, who I called back home, pointed out that if I felt that way about the bunny, that I wasn't safe. And I realized she was right. And I'd locked myself quietly in my room at that point. And I called the girl, Melanie, the wonderful woman who had already helped me out. And I told her what was going on. And she and her boyfriend quietly came and they snuck me and my bunny and as much as I could fit in like two bags out of the apartment that night because I knew that neither of us were safe there. So the only time I went back was to move the rest of my stuff and I, and I did file a police report. I just didn't press charges because I didn't want to make things worse. I just wanted to get away. So... I filed a police report. I went back with someone I worked with at work who I barely knew but was willing to come and protect me along with one of his buddies who can't remember if he was a police officer in a different county or if he was a security guard, but he was off duty. So they came with me and while we were moving my stuff, the roommate came back and started threatening me, threatening to kill me, telling me that I was only about 85 pounds and he would have no problem getting rid of me. And he did this in front of the guys, raging at me, telling me to get on my hands and knees and wipe the floorboards like we're talking insane, crazy stuff. And I just let him rage at me while I moved my stuff. The only thing I said to him, because he was threatening my music career, he was threatening everything. The only thing I said to him very quietly under my breath was, I will be glad to prove you wrong. (laughs) 
which probably ticked him off. I don't even know if he heard it, but he just kept raging at me. We finally got out of there. I was, thank God, able to stay with Melanie and her friends again for a period of time. And during that time, I looked for a place to stay. And the only thing I found quickly was a studio, a little studio apartment in someone's house that I knew was temporary. So I lived in that. And while I lived there, I started looking at houses to buy. I did make an offer on one house um, that I really loved, but the seller was playing games, the realtor was playing games, it ended up not panning out. And during that time frame, I really couldn't find anything that I felt super comfortable living in. The houses themselves were fine, a lot of them, but the neighborhoods were so-so, or vice versa. And I probably could have looked a little bit further out of town, but I was afraid to go to too many places that I didn't know, because I'd only lived in Nashville for three months. I still knew barely anyone. I did not know the area at all. I'd been working so much, I hadn't even had time to explore. And the realtors that I worked with at the time really didn't know how to help me or help me figure out what area to be in. Um, if they had, I probably would have been able to pick an area by the lake or something like that and really, really gotten a great deal on a property and really enjoyed it. But I ended up not having the ability to do that. I ended up not having the ability to do that. Not that I didn't have the ability, but the realtors that I was working with didn't know. So I stayed in this studio and until I really couldn't anymore. And I ended up moving into an apartment in East Nashville. And while I was in that apartment in East Nashville, one of my friends lived in the same building as me, which was great. That's how I found out about it. And I actually felt safe there for quite a long time. It was the first time that I'd had my own space. It was affordable. It really was a space that was real. It had a real kitchen. It had a real bathroom. It was my own space. It wasn't at the whim of someone else, either from a studio in their house or some psycho. So I was in this apartment. I really thought initially that I'd move, but I had moved so many times, you guys. I had moved from the place I was supposed to go to the girl's house, back to that place, back to the girl's house, <laughs> to the studio, and then to this apartment. And that had all happened in three months. That's how much transient moving I did in that period of time. It was crazy, and I did not feel safe for most of it. So I finally felt safe for this period of time in the apartment there in East Nashville, and I lived there for about four years until there was a double homicide at my apartment complex. Crazy, 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 I know. It's, it's hard to believe that this is even one person's story and that this is all real, but for real, this happened. There was a homicide at my apartment complex. The night it happened, I knew something was wrong. Something did not feel right. I was not the kind of person that got scared and double-checked my locks or turned lights on or double-checked closets. But the night that the double homicide happened, we didn't know about it right away. The police didn't find out. No one found out until five days later, uh, I want to say it was. I think that's correct. So it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. And I just, something was wrong. And I felt like I needed to check every closet, double check the locks on the doors, all of the things. So I did that, I did that for days. The worst night of it was the night they discovered the bodies. And I'm not gonna go into gruesome detail because I don't know if we're listening to this in mixed company, but basically it was a brutal murder. It was a double homicide. 
one set of roommates did it to another a little too close to home, huh? And it was awful. And you could just feel the evil. You could feel the evil there. And I was like, there is no way I'm living here anymore. I'm not living in a place where that happened. I'm not going to do it. And I just felt like at that point, I had lived in Davidson County, which is the county that Nashville is in, for four, five years, I guess, at that point. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done with Davidson County. I've dealt with enough crazy here. I don't want to deal with any more. I'm going to move out of the county and I'm going to move into a better county. So I just got my real estate license at the time on top of music. Hadn't even sold a house yet. <laughs> but actually, I might have sold one, or at least I'd help. I was in the process of helping someone purchase. But I'd just gotten my license and I'm like, that's it. I'm looking. I'm going to look for a place. And I started looking in this neighboring county. And I found a crazy deal on a condo. So for the first time since moving to Nashville, I found a crazy deal on something that I could own myself. So this is the first part of the story that's really redemptive, okay? But it gets better after this. I found a condo for an amazing price in a town where you couldn't really find anything under like $200,000. I found a condo for $80,000. And it looked like it could use a little bit of updating maybe, but it looked like they had actually done some work on it already. And it was in a great location. Easy walking distance to the cute downtown area, good area. And I was like, that's it. That's where, what I'm doing. So I purchased that and lived there for a, a couple years. And it was during the second year of living there, I was probably looking at property for someone. I can't remember if I was previewing this house or looking at the house for someone. But I was in another neighboring town and I was looking at property and I saw this four bedroom house and I was walking through this beautiful, adorable four bedroom house. And at this point I had been doing music full time for four, almost five years before I got my real estate license and now I was just doing real estate and music but I was really doing half and half so I wasn't making a huge amount of money and I was living very comfortably in my condo but I started looking at this house and how cute it was and all of the space and I thought to myself Lord it would be really amazing if I could have a house like this so that I could help people like Melanie helped me when I first moved I could help people that are in trouble help people get out of abusive situations and help people, you know, who need a safe place when they are not safe where they're at and have it for my own family long-term. So I had this little private conversation with the Lord in my head. I can't even say it was really a prayer. It was, it was a silent prayer because I was just telling him what I would really like and putting it out there as a request. And I was like, Lord, Could you make me able to afford a house like this? I would really love having one. But I never really prayed into it. It wasn't even something I prayed into. But this is how good God is. He knew what I'd walked through. He knew what the enemy had thrown at me. And he knew what what he'd allowed me to walk through because he knew the testimony that was going to be at the other end. But did you know that God gives us double for our trouble? I'm going to read... A couple of verses to you. So in Isaiah 61 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And some translations say double honor. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. 
Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. In Exodus 22.4, it says, If what he stole is actually found alive in his possession, whether an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. And there's a verse in Proverbs that says, Once the thief has been caught, he must repay sevenfold. So when we've gone through something or we've had something stolen or attacked, God gives us double. God gives us, God makes sure that the enemy repays us sevenfold, that we get sevenfold restoration and recompense of everything that was stolen from us, that everything that was attacked for all the trouble that we go through, we get double. We get double. There's also a verse in Job where God talks about how he restored to Job double everything that he had lost during the difficult times. So when God restores us, he doesn't just give us back what we had originally, and he doesn't just give us back the time. He actually gives us more. So this is my more, my unexplainable, miraculous more. So I said the silent prayer to the Lord, right? I said this prayer or this request or had this conversation with God where I said it would be so wonderful to have a house like this of my own so that I could help people the way that Melanie helped me and have a family of my own in it at some point. And now I assumed that at some point God would just make me able to afford a house like this because it wasn't a cheap house. I mean, it was a big four bedroom house. That house had four bedrooms, it had storage space, it had a beautiful kitchen, a beautiful yard. And at the time, I was doing music half the time and real estate half the time, and I was making money and living off of it, but I wasn't making great money. I wasn't making enough money to buy a house like that. So within about a month of having that private prayer with the Lord, my mom started dating her now husband. But they had just started dating. They'd been friends. Now, to be clear, my family could not have afforded to buy me a house either. I could have afforded one myself when I first moved. And it wasn't that I couldn't afford that same price point, but the prices had gone way up since I first moved, one, because the market had been low when I first moved. But also, I had been doing music as a freelancer at that point for years, and my taxes did not reflect the income that I was making or what I could afford because you write so much off, including mileage when you work for yourself, that it's really hard to get a loan based on that unless you purposely don't write off the income. I mean, unless you purposely don't write off the expenses. So I just figured God would have to make me able to afford it. So my mom started dating my now stepdad about probably a month after I saw that house, maybe not even that long. And within a couple months, they had been friends first for a long time. So they actually got married pretty quickly because they had been friends for, goodness, at least two years, I want to say, before they started dating. So they knew each other quite well. Anyhow, they started dating, and within a couple months of them dating, maybe three months, my stepdad started talking about how he wanted to buy a house in the Nashville area and he and my mom asked me to start looking for one so I did I started looking for one they got engaged during this time period and then while they were looking and engaged they my mom told me that 
my stepdad had asked if I would live in this house for them. If I would rent out my own condo, which I, I own, that's mine. If I would rent out my own condo and I would live in the house for them to take care of it because they weren't going to live here full time. They were just going to live here part of the time. Now, I have to be honest. I'm a very independent person. I did not like the idea of having to share a space with my mom and her soon-to-be husband and would-be husband because they were going to be married by the time we got the house. So it was a really hard decision for me. Even though I had this prayer time with the Lord, remember, I was thinking, God's going to make me able to afford a house of my own. Never once did I think I would be given a house or gifted a place or anything like that, right? Or asked to stay in someone else's house. I thought, well, the Lord's going to give me a house by, you know, increasing my income. We can't limit God. God works outside of our expectations and experiences. So I end up deciding that I will do this for them. I spent a lot of time in prayer, and after a lot of prayer, I felt like it was the right thing to do, that I was, in fact, supposed to take care of the house for them and live here. But when I helped them look for a house, I purposely picked a house that had a room that was basically its own suite on a totally opposite side of the house where it would have some separation. So fast forward, they end up buying this house. They have me move in. I have someone come and do some work on the house right away. I just have some painting done. I put in some hardwood floors somewhere that there was carpet. Do some of that. I get my condo rented out. And they come to visit for the first time. This was in 2018. They come out to visit for the first time. And I actually wasn't here when they came to visit. I was in England. Visiting England, going to visit radio stations, seeing some friends out there and just being a tourist in England. So I went out to England and while I was there, they came here and I had shown them the house. They'd seen the steps on the way in. They'd seen the house. It's pretty much a single story house. There are only like four steps going up, but there are stairs leading into the house and out. So when they came, they decided that they probably needed something with less stairs going in and out of the house. They needed something that was pretty much on the ground where they really didn't have to take any stairs. So this is where the crazy thing happens. My stepdad decided that they needed to buy a different house, but that he thought that I should have this house. See, my own family didn't have the money to buy a house to gift me. I mean, how many people really do? Not very many. And Randy has never been what I would call a rich man. I mean, he worked modest jobs, blue collar jobs. He was in the military. He was in the police force. He taught at the police academy, but he's just been wise with his money. He got married young. Uh, before my mom, he was married, but his, his late wife passed away. So that's, he, he met my mom as a widower. But they had gotten married young. They had bought a house young. They had saved their money. They had been wise in their financial decisions. And because of that, he had quite a bit of money and had made wise investments over the years. And he had been able to give a house to each of his kids. And he decided, again, when I prayed this prayer to the Lord, my mom wasn't even dating him, okay? I just thought, you'll make me able to afford this, Lord. Well, 
My stepfather decides that he's going to gift this house to me and they're going to get another house. So for anyone that is struggling or thinks what you want for your life or what God has promised you for your life is the farthest thing from what you'd expect, I just want to encourage you today. God told me to move to Nashville. It was very clear that it was the Lord and I had a ton of confirmation. So I knew when I moved that it was him. But that didn't keep me from having to deal with a whole lot of chaos. And the living situations, that's only part of the chaos. But God kept me in all of that. Even though the first situation was dangerous, he protected me. I got out of that and I was okay. I was safe. He gave me people along the way that acted like human angels to take care of me and protect me. Not just the women that allowed me to stay with them, but also the guy from my work and his friend, they showed up for me. I had to get a restraining order against the old roommate and he appealed the restraining order two times. I had to go to court multiple times. That amazing guy from my work literally went to court with me every single time because he was a witness to the threats. So he took off work. He got up early every time. God gave me amazing people to be there with me and stand by me in the midst of all the chaos and protect me. And none of them are people that I see on a regular basis now, but God gave me those people to be there with me. He gave me the opportunity to buy a condo of my own in a place where I usually wouldn't have even been able to afford it, but there was my condo and it was perfect. And you know what? It was crazy to have a double homicide be the reason I was moving, but it was time to get out and God used that to give me a blessing in the condo. And then God did the most incredible, crazy, amazing thing and he gifted me a house. But here's the thing that I have always been aware of with that gift. When I asked him for this house, I told him I wanted it so that I could help people the way that people had helped me. And I believe God honors our faith but he also knows what he's going to do with that hardship and how he's going to use it to protect other people. Since I've had this house, I've been able to help three women long-term, giving them places to stay when they weren't safe. I helped one good friend of mine and her son have a place to stay for a period. I helped another friend who was dealing with major health issues and didn't have family here with a place to stay. I've been able to help people and God honors that. And I honored God back. And he knew when he gave me this house that I would honor him every day with this house and how I opened it up to his children and how I helped protect his children. And I have. So I just want to encourage you. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I went from homeless not having a place to stay, staying on basically strangers in strangers' houses, not feeling safe, to having a home of my own and a condo that I get to rent out because God is so good. He is so good. And even when you go through hardship, he gives you double for your trouble. So when you feel like you are in the midst of trouble, I just want to encourage you Thank the Lord that double is coming out of this trouble, that he will give you double honor for your shame, that you will have a double portion in the land, and that even though it's hard right now, that he will honor you with double blessing when it is all said and done. 
So hold on and hang on in the middle of the process. And no matter what it looks like, don't turn away from God. Turn towards him because he is the only one that can help you, that can guide you, that can protect you, and that can and will give you double for all the trouble that you have been through. But you've also got to have a right heart with him. Now, I don't mean that you have to be perfect. We all make mistakes. I was far from perfect when I got this gift. But God knew that my heart was genuine. He knew my heart and he knew that I truly desired to help people and bless people. And he knew what I had been through. And he knew that I would honor what I told him. So have a right heart with God and turn towards him, even in the midst of the trouble and the hardship. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next time. Again